Well, good morning again, everybody. Thank you so much, Vargas family, for uh, connecting with our missionaries, for helping us to know how they're doing. And uh, so let's take a moment right now and pray for all our, the missionaries that we've been supporting. Uh, the, the work that we do of supporting these missionaries um, still goes on. We're doing um, just as much, if not more, than we've ever done before uh, by God's grace. So let's pray for them. Father, we, we ask that you would simply um, let these missionaries know that they're not alone. God, help each and every one of them to keep their heart focused on you uh, to not get distracted uh, with questions that cannot be answered or uh, with trying to make plans in an uncertain future. Um, God, I pray that our only hope would be in you, would be in your power and in your grace. Uh, God, teach us to rest on you uh, when we don't know what to do. Teach us to trust in you. And uh, God, I, I pray that each one of our missionaries would be a light, a bold, bright light uh, for simple uh, humble faith in all the different quarters of the world where they are living and um, where you have placed them. Uh, so God, I pray that you would give them a special encouragement today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I have a few, uh, well, I want to talk for a little bit kind of in the announcements uh, mode. Uh, as you guys know, we're in our 10th week of streaming online services. And we haven't met at church for 10 weeks. Uh, so that's just uh, been pretty difficult, I think. Well, I think for some people, it's not that bad because we're kind of homebodies. And for other people, it's like they can't breathe because they love uh, the fellowship and uh, um, just being around other people really invigorates them. Um, so, but I think all of us miss what happens before and after uh, the church service. Um, we've been able to worship and it's not the same uh, in our homes, but it's really great when we're together, but we can't do that right now. And, and, uh, but the before and after time where we're just connecting with each other and we're just praying with each other and we're just listening to, to each other describe our weeks, our, our trials, the things that we're going through, that part of church has definitely been lacking and missing. And uh, as you guys know, we don't have any answers uh, as to what is going to happen or how long we're going to be doing this. We just don't know. And I, I tell you what, as a pastor, I hear so many opinions. I hear opinions on this side saying we should do this and this side saying if I don't do this, I'm, 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 I'm a bad person. And over here, if I don't do this, I'm a terrible pastor. And over here, I don't have faith. And it's, it's really confusing. And all of us, I think all the pastors in our city, we want to uh, have church and we want to keep our people safe and and those two things seem to be um, difficult right now to uh, figure out exactly what to do. So I am announcing that we don't know what we're going to do. Uh, not that that was a uh, big mystery. Uh, we are going to wait upon the Lord. We're going to wait and see uh, what happens with um the government and the people in, in charge of those things and what kind of things they say. We want to respect them and listen to them. Uh, but we also um, 
don't want to just become apathetic uh, either. So all of that is to say uh, we are going to enter a new phase with our church where we're going to be really encouraging you to get together in person uh, with uh, people from church. Um, have that before and after church experience, but in your own home. And, and if you can't do that, if you if you're f- feel that you're really vulnerable, then we really encourage you to do something online or even a phone call and just really start investing. Now, we're not going to make this a thing that we we have to uh, organize and name and 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 make into a um, a job for you. What we want this to be is a natural, organic um, spreading of of love and compassion among the church. Um, so, uh, my wife and I, you know, we've talked about it. We're going to start inviting people over for dinner uh, regularly, pretty pretty often. Um, and so we're going to be sending out some text messages and, and we're going to be calling some people and, and, um, it, we're going to, we're going to do our best to connect with everybody that we can. We're going to do our absolute best. Um, and our leadership, we've talked to the elders, BK and, and, and Nathan and Paul and, uh, and they're all praying about how they can do the same thing. So here's what I'm announcing kind of. Um, I, I want everybody to deeply consider, uh, inviting someone to their home and spending some time with them. And this doesn't have to be a Bible study. It's not designed to be a Bible study. This is designed to be that before and after church time where we're listening to each other and we're praying for each other and we're asking each other maybe a few questions. Uh, for example, um, what is God doing in your life right now? What is God showing you in the word as, as you're, as you're uh, living right now and going through this quarantine? Uh, are there any needs that you have? And that's a, that's a really important question. We want to know what, uh, what everybody is, is going through. And if there's anything we can do practically to help, we want to be there for that. And uh, if there's anything that we can do uh, prayer with prayer, we want to, uh, of course, do that as well. So I'm asking you to think of the people you know, give them a call, pray for them, get together and make sure that they feel loved. This is a way that we can serve Jesus Christ uh, during this time. You might think, wow, this is simple and I've already been doing it. Uh, great. It wasn't designed to be some earth shattering, uh, plan. And I know that many of us have been doing this. Um, but we want to make sure that everybody feels this way. The last thing I'm going to say is maybe you're shy and you don't know anybody and you are waiting for a call and you aren't getting one. Uh, what I want you to do is reach out to me or to Nathan or to BK. Um, you can contact us directly, uh, through the website has a, my email and my phone number. Uh, most of you have my email and phone number. Just reach out and say, I would like to get in, t- uh, in get together and we will make that happen. We will figure out a way for you to have some fellowship, some in-person fellowship, if that's what you're looking for. And if you aren't looking for in-person, if you feel like you're vulnerable and at risk, um, we can try to set up a Zoom meeting or at least something uh, so that you know that you're cared for and loved. And that is that is our purpose during this time and that all your needs are being met. So 
Uh, that's our, our time uh, announcements. Uh, we're going to get into studying the Word of God now, uh, going right back into Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. So let's go ahead and pray for, for that. Uh, first, Father, I want to bring just uh, our congregation to you and all the people, uh, Lord, that may be feeling alone. But Lord, I pray that during the season where we're um, thinking about each other and, and really pouring into each other, God, I pray that you would, by your spirit, you would prompt us, that you would put certain people on our minds, that you would give us the boldness to send a text or, or reach out through email or, or a call. And God, I pray that you would um, give us hearts that are servant Focus, Lord, that we wouldn't um, be all um, self-centered, but Lord, that even though we we are in a quarantine, Lord, that our our hearts would really be uh, about other people and uh, loving them and serving them. God, help us, uh, transform us, Lord. We need you to do that work. God, I pray uh, now that as we look to your Word, God, that you would teach us, that you would uh, grow our understanding, you would open our our eyes. Um, and God, that we would have soft hearts. Uh, we can never understand your word. It goes right over our heads unless, uh, Lord, you are, are doing it by your spirit. So God, help us to understand your word. Uh, help us to live humbly and with faith before you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, uh, we're in Mark chapter 10, <clears throat> verse 13. And this, this uh, sermon is called Love the Little Ones. So as this chapter, the next chapter or two, is kind of Jesus's discipleship course with his disciples. This is his ministry course. This is uh, how, guys, this is how you're supposed to uh, deal with all the different things of your life. So last week he talked about marriage, showing you how high uh, Jesus values marriage and and uh, the heart that Jesus has for those who are married, and even those who have gone through a divorce, even uh, how Jesus loves them and and uh, desires uh, to work in their lives and bring them that love and forgiveness. And so marriage was first. Now he's going to teach about children. Then we're going to talk about possessions. And then he's going to teach us about serving God. And then he's going to teach us, teach us about faith. So it's just kind of this five-section discipleship series that Jesus is going through with his disciples. And we get to view it uh, 2,000 years later. Um, so um, this subject that we're looking at today is children, our little ones, our babies. Um, and, uh, we're going to see that Jesus loves them and that is going to be crystal clear that he loves them, that he values them. And he's going to teach us two really valuable truths, uh, today about these little ones that he loves. The first truth is that we should bring kids to Jesus. That's it. The first one. We should bring kids to Jesus. The second lesson that Jesus is going to teach us and his disciples is that we should learn about God and his kingdom from kids. So two different lessons. We got to bring our kids to Jesus and then we get to learn about God and his kingdom from these kids. And then at the end of our study today, we're going to we're going to briefly look at a common question uh, having to do with kids, which is, do kids all go to heaven when they die? If kids die at a young age or babies or anything like that, do they go to heaven? So we're going to look at some brief 
um, answers to that question because I know that some people have really wondered and, and, and uh, that's a real deep and maybe even painful question for some people. Um, so uh, first I want to I wanna ask you some penetrating questions, okay? And this is for every single person here because every single person here uh, used to be a kid. Every single person here knows a kid. Uh, and so these all have to do with you. And so, uh, how do you view children? How do you view kids? Are they a burden to you or are they a blessing to you? Are they your property? Are they your reputation? Do you, do you kind of see your own value through your kids? Um, do you see them as hobbits or little orcs? Uh, never know how you might look at them. Do, but do, the question is, do we have the heart of Jesus for our kids? Um, another question is, how do you act around kids? Dads, here's a question for you. Do you make time for your kids and, and get on their level, doing things that they love, uh, spending time with them? Um, I have some, uh, I have a, a suggestion for moms as well here moms. If you want to, uh, uh, crack your kids up, uh, here's a suggestion. Here's a fun game to play when your kid gets home from school, or I guess we're not doing that now when they come in from playing outside on the sidewalk, uh, just be lying on your back on the floor, screaming, uh, saying you stepped on a crack. That's a. Just watch it happen. It's going to be great. I want to see videos of that this week. Uh, okay, so I got some tweets of the week uh, that had to do with parenting. Um, here's, here's a good one. Ready? A good outdoor activity to do with your kids is trying to find them after you've been looking at your phone for three hours. All right. I like that. Second, here's, here's the second tweet of the week. Ready? Um, Ask, I asked my niece if she had to go number one or number two. She said 666 and is crawling on the ceiling. LOL, parenting is hard. There's a crazy one. <laughs> All right. And I want to start out with this story. There was a um, six-year-old boy who uh, was uh, at school, you know, kind of in first grade. And his teacher was talking to him and asking him questions about uh, baby brothers or sisters. And he said, yeah, my mom is, is expecting, uh, you know, a baby, um, at, back at our house. And, and, um, so that, that was a, a pretty fun topic for this teacher at their school. And as the days go by, went by, uh, uh, the teacher kept asking how, how's your mom doing? How's the baby? And the baby's not there yet. No, he's not there yet. I'm still waiting. Well, one day, the mother allowed uh, this boy to f feel the the baby moving in her tummy, and and the six year old was obviously you know impressed, but he he was just kind of quiet, just kind of dumbfounded. Um, and furthermore, he stopped telling his teacher about the the baby coming. He just didn't want to talk about it anymore. The teacher finally um, sat the the little boy on her lap and said, "Tommy." You know, whatever has become of that baby brother or sister that, that you were expecting at your house? And, and Tommy just burst into tears and he just cried out and he said, 
I think my mommy ate it. Ah, oh, this is when online streaming really stinks because I wish I could hear you laughing or at least groaning. That was my favorite part when, when Nathan would groan at my jokes or BK or Emma or even my wife. I miss your groans during church. Oh, well. All that's to say, we're going to get into the Word of God now and uh, uh, look at section one, uh, the first lesson that Jesus is going to teach us, uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 13. Then they brought little children to him that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, um, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. And we'll stop right there. So this is section one, uh, which is, uh, thank you, BK, for texting me a groan. I appreciate that. Um, this is section one, which is uh, bring kids to Jesus. Jesus wants us to bring our kids to him. So here's, here's, here's a hard question that we've got to ask ourselves. Are, are you like those who, who want uh, to, to love our children and bring them to Jesus? Or are you like the disciples who have no time for babysitting? See, the disciples have a, a core problem, and their problem is they don't value kids. They think God is too busy for the kids. They think these kids are a burden to God, but nothing could be further from the truth. They thought these, these disciples thought that their own time was too busy for these kids. They're frustrated by these parents, but the parents have a heart for their kids. They have love for their kids and they're trying to bring their kids to Jesus. And these disciples are just um, being very self-centered. And I find a lot of times the way that someone responds to kids and to children really says a lot about their pride or humility. Uh, a lot of times when we, um, well, I'll just let that sit there. And if the Lord is speaking to you about that, I encourage you to spend some time with children uh, and and understand that, that your life is not super important in that way. Uh, you can, you can uh, be, you can have a heart like Jesus by spending that time with these kids, bringing them to Jesus. Uh, so I think in some ways we need to repent of our selfishness, you know, wanting to give our time to those who can do something for us. You know, these disciples see all these adults that have real big problems and they think that they're more important. But Jesus um, is teaching them likewise. These parents who are bringing these kids to Jesus are a good example for us. They love their kids to Jesus. So here's our question. How can you love and lead your kids to Jesus? How can we do this today? Because uh, he's not here that we can take him uh, just down to Jesus and let him babysit for us. That's not what this is about. Uh, how can we do that? And, I, and I'm going to say the word surrender um, because I think it's very important. We need to surrender our kids to Jesus. Um, and we're going to, we do that in a few ways. Number one, have a gospel saturated house, a gospel saturated home. Um, and what is the gospel? The gospel is not what you can do for God, but what God has done for you. If you want to be leading your kids to Jesus, then just always have that as the core of your, uh, your life. 
Uh, it's not about what we can do for God, but about what he has done for us. This message of the gospel brings life and change into hearts that hear it over and over again. It's like the watering to a plant. Um, it's the, it's like the seed that's planted in a heart. And, and as we continually, um, pour that gospel message that God has done all, everything for you, that Jesus is sufficient, uh, it, it really does bring life into the, into our children. Um, another way we can surrender to bring our kids to Jesus is discipleship at home. Um, this is just simply learning what the Bible says about how to live a life that is humble and dependent or faithful upon Jesus. Um, and this is not just learning all the rules, although that can be part of it, but real discipleship is learning how to depend upon Jesus and how to humble yourself to accept his help. Because we all fail to follow all of the rules. That's the point of the rules. But real discipleship is, is passing along the uh, message that as we fail, we can live with humility before God and with faith and he can transform us. So another way we can lead our kids to Jesus is by having a prayer-filled home. Uh, kids don't become good at prayer all by themselves. And and so we do, uh, it's, it's valuable for us to take time to pray with passion and with humility and with faith. Encourage them. Uh, another way is to encourage them to live for God's kingdom, not their own. Uh, a lot of, uh, a real popular message in this world is, is go live your life and do whatever you want to do. Uh, but I think we should encourage our kids to go do what God is calling you to do. Um, another way we can lead them to Jesus is to believe that they will do something great for God's kingdom. Sometimes they don't even believe in themselves that they can do something great, and we have to believe for them. Um, and I think telling them what we believe is, is important. It's, it kind of blesses them to hear that you believe uh, that they will do something great. Um, a couple other little ways. Be obsessed with God's grace, always talking about his wonderful works. Uh, make a conscious decision to give them totally and completely to God and his will in their life, no matter what that means. Um, and another way is time. Just spending time with them is the most valuable thing. I know that during this time of quarantine, uh, I've had a really hard time focusing on work, but I've had a wonderful time spending time with my boys and because of that, I'm very, very, very happy and grateful uh, for this time. All of these are faith activities um, and not works, really, that we can do. And they will bring your kids closer to Jesus. Um, because he does the work when they're close to him that we so desperately want done in their lives. We want them to be transformed. We want them to be mature. We want them to be godly. But we can't make that happen, ever. No matter how you discipline them, no matter how you do anything, it's never going to do uh, all that work in their life. Jesus has to be the one that does that. So in one sense, you are free from um, the pressure to make them become what you want them. Just bring them to Jesus and he will do that work. Uh, so I'm calling us to faithfulness in bringing our kids to Jesus. Jesus is calling us to trust him with our kids. All right, real quick, section number two. He says, for of such is the kingdom of God. 
Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And this is section number two, which is kids teach us about God's kingdom. Again, section one was we need to bring our kids to God, to Jesus. Section number two is kids teach us about God's kingdom. Jesus teaches us that kids represent something huge that we must understand about God and his kingdom. And uh, before I tell you what it is, I'm going to tell you what it's not. Uh, Number one, it is not their innocence. Uh, Number one, sin... uh, Kids are just as big as sinners. Well, there's, they're sinners just like us. They're just not as big of sinners as we are. Um, but if you ever have been around a kid, you know that they are a sinner just like you are. Uh, the second thing, it's not their purity or their sweetness or their cuteness that God is teaching us about. Um, again, they're sinners with sinner DNA just like us, and they can be um, just as selfish and sinner, sinful as we are. So what is it that Jesus is telling us that these children are teaching us? Well, Warren Wiersbe, a great uh, pastor, said, we tell children to behave like adults, but Jesus tells the adults to model themselves after children. That doesn't mean to become more immature. <clears throat> it means that there's something very, very important and key about how children live that we must understand and we must adopt into our way of living. And let me describe it with these ways, okay? Number one, they are helpless. Helpless. And I believe God, so let me further define that. They have no strength. They have no ability. They are not developed. They're not mature. They are needy. This is one way you can think about humility. Kids are helpless. And Jesus is teaching us that we need to, this is how we receive the kingdom and enter it. With humility. That it's required, that that is the way the spiritual world works. And that is the way that you will live and thrive in the spiritual world. Jesus says you must receive the kingdom as a child, helpless. The second thing I see is that they are hopeful. First, they're helpless. Next, they are hopeful. They trust that you will care for them. Um, it's, it's so funny. When you're around kids, especially little kids, um, and you, you put out your arms to take them, uh, a great majority of them, will just respond with putting their arms out for you to pick them up into your arms and hold them close. It is a natural, it's what they do by nature. And I've, I've been in orphanages in Thailand and Haiti and in America and in Russia and little kids do the same thing in every single one of those orphanages, especially those attention starved um, orphans. They they want, they're hopeful that you will love them. That hopefulness is called faith. It's a way that we can describe faith. They simply know that their life is better when they're held in someone's arms. They trust that. They believe that. 
they seem to value this safety and comfort more than they value individualistic self-sufficiency. They have a natural inclination towards faith in this way. They want to believe that you love them if you're, if you're picking them up. And this is a spiritual lesson for us about how to receive the kingdom of God and, uh, and enter it and see how it works, and that is by faith. So these two descriptions of children and the way that they work is, is, is really, you can boil it down to faith and humility. That's what kids demonstrate. That's what children demonstrate that we need to learn. By their display of trust and, and absolute dependence on another person, children point the way to the entrance to God's kingdom. And a child has the capacity to enjoy a lot, but they can explain very little. Do you, do you get that? They can enjoy being in your presence. They can enjoy um, you providing for them but they can't explain all of it. And that is the way that God's kingdom works most of the time. I can enjoy God's presence. I don't have to understand how it works. I can enjoy uh, his, his grace providing for me, and I don't have to explain how it all works all the time. It's a life of faith and dependence or dependent faith. Let's look at what Jesus does now. So this is section three. And they he took them up in his arms. He laid his hands on them and blessed them. Jesus shows his response to a humble, faith-filled life. His response is always the same to humility and faith. He gives grace. Just like James 4, 6 says, God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. If you want God's work in your life, you must have humility. You must depend on him. You cannot think any of it depends on you. And Romans 5, 2 says, we have access into this grace in which we stand by faith. Humility and faith are clearly what the, the relational realities that we need uh, and, and when we bring, when we come to Jesus with those things in our heart, like a child, Jesus says, you receive my grace. You receive my kingdom. You receive everything that you need because of humility and faith. Um, <clears throat> Jesus is so tender and affectionate, and he supplies all that is needed by anyone who will come to him in humility and faith. That's what we see here. He's, he's blessing them, giving them the help that they need. He's picking them up. Here he illustrates the gospel, that they don't need to do anything. Just come to him in humility and faith, and he provides everything. Um, you could kind of see a few things in this. Number one, our, our Lord, he touched them. He picked them up and held them. Um, that's a great thing to do with kids. Uh, he spoke a word of blessing over them. He attached a very high value to their worth. He said, you are valuable to me. 
he was willing to stop everything he was doing and give them attention. He made maybe even predictions about their life, about what they would do. And then he made an active commitment to make sure that those dreams, God's plan for their life would be fulfilled. And that active commitment was, I am going to die for your sins on Calvary. I am more committed to you and to your future than anyone could possibly be. Jesus is that kind and that loving. He is that dedicated to seeing your life be what God meant it to be. He provided everything for you. Jesus has that kind of heart for you today. Um, you know, Jesus wants to accept and receive you in love. And I know there are many of you maybe who did not have parents that demonstrated this kind of love or, or really failed, or you didn't have any parents. And this is, this is touchy for you because you've never been able to trust an adult to give you this type of love. Well, Jesus is challenging you. Test me. Try me. I am a good father. I will never leave you or forsake you. Run to my arms and see if I don't pick you up and hold you and speak blessings into your life. Provide all that you need. Remain with me. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. That's what Jesus is trying to invite us into even today as adults. He values you more than you'll ever know. He has a plan for your life and he's very willing to invest in that plan and in that calling. So what are you waiting for? Our encouragement, our exhortation today is to run to him as a child. Let him pick you up. Let him love you. Uh, spend that time with him. Trust him. He is the only trustworthy one. So just to sum up and to refresh, the first lesson Jesus taught was we should bring our kids to him. Second lesson is that we should learn about God and his kingdom from them. Their humility and their faith is instructive for us on how we should run to God and, and jump up in his arms. Now our last topic we're going to talk about briefly. I know we've gone long today, but it's a simple question of what happens to children when they die. And I'm going to share just seven simple reasons why it's safe to believe that children all go to heaven uh, when they die. First, um, the grace, the goodness, and the mercy of God would support the position that all infants uh, go to heaven when they die. And uh, in this, uh, um, there's a verse, 1 John 4, 8, that says, God is love and he desires all to be saved in 1 Timothy 2. And uh, so um, with those two things combined, you can understand that he's not going to uh, condemn someone who has not been able to make a choice. Secondly, we have the example of David and Bathsheba. When their baby died, David said, um, I know that I will be with my um, child. He will not come to me, but I will go to be with him up in heaven. And I don't believe God would allow that to be recorded if it was false. Um, God put that in the word so that we would have confidence knowing that uh, babies go to heaven. Third, in James 4.17 
the Bible says, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, he sins. That's what sin is and how it's measured in God's eyes. So the Bible is clear that we're all born with a sin nature. We're all born from Adam with sin. Um, but um, that's, that's called original sin. Uh, however, the Bible makes a distinction between original sin and actual sins. And infants are incapable of actual sins because this verse says you have to know the good that you're supposed to do and choose not to do it for it to be actual sins. Um, so if they can't understand right from wrong, um, then you would have what's called an age of accountability, where once they learn right from wrong, once they're mentally able to understand that, then they're accountable to find a substitute for their uh, sin, which would be Jesus. Fourth, Jesus affirmed that the kingdom of God belongs to the little children, like we saw in our verses today. Um, in this, he's stating the first lesson, the primary interpretation of those verses is that it's childlike faith that enters the kingdom, but also affirming that the reality that there probably are a lot of kids up in heaven. Fifth, scripture affirms that the number of saved souls is very great in Revelation chapter 7. That there's a multitude beyond number. Uh, since most of the world is still non-Christian today, as we, as we know, um, the, maybe a multi, these multitudes represent the, how many abortions and, and little kids uh, have died before the age of accountability. Sixth, um, some in Scripture are said to be chosen or sanctified from the womb. Okay, and uh, this means that salvation of some infants um, uh, happens before they're baptized. And why I bring this up is because some people say you have to be baptized in order to be saved. But the Bible says, wow, there's been babies who have been saved before they even were born, so they couldn't have been baptized. Um, so that that disqualifies the view that um, you, you have to have been baptized in order to go to heaven. And lastly, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 35 through 39, um, you have all these children of Israel that rebelled against God in the wilderness, right? And uh, God sentences that entire generation to die in the wilderness um, and wandering. Um, and it says in verse 35, Not one of these men, this evil generation, shall see the good land which I swore to give your fathers. But this was not all. Um, God specifically exempted the young children and infants from this sentence and he even explained why he did it. He said, moreover, your little ones who you said would become prey and your sons who this day have no knowledge of good and evil shall enter there and I will give it to them and they shall possess it. That's chapter 1 verse 39 of Deuteronomy. And the, the key issue there is that God specifically exempted everyone who didn't know right and wrong. Uh, from any kind of punishment that he was uh, doling out. So I know that was a lot, but we've gone long, and, and I just wanted to kind of give you some confidence. in the, And it's pretty common. Everyone kind of believes that children uh, go to heaven these days. Uh, but throughout history, that hasn't always been the case. But I believe it's the truth, and I believe we have scriptural ground for it. So all that's to say, we are to love children in every way. If there's any way you can love them more, please do it. Jesus said, even if you give a cup of cold water 
to a little child in my name, I will not forget it. And I was blessed this week to be able to spend time with some little kids. It just randomly happened that this week I had all kinds of little kids in my house. And I loved it. I loved every minute of it. And um, it really blesses us uh, when we understand God's heart. And maybe we've been living with a hard heart towards children. And, and uh, so I just pray that today uh, we would repent and turn back to Jesus and trust him uh, with the kids and, and the life of service that he's called us to live, serving these kids and loving on them. Uh, Father, we come before you and we ask that you would teach us to walk and live before you with faith and humility of children. Help us to serve the children that you've placed in our lives by leading them to you. Help us to do these things by your power and by your spirit. Help us to love one another, Jesus. Help us to draw near to you through your word and to trust your word Help us, Lord, to have no confidence in our flesh, but to have all confidence in you and in your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm very thankful for each and every one of you. Uh, we're going to get started with our Zoom meeting here in just a second, so check out that link in the chats here. And uh, uh, I look forward to seeing each and every one of you soon. Again, uh, this week, even today, I want you to reach out to those who you know and start inviting, if you can, people over uh, or accepting invitations to spend some time in small groups um, so that we're still being respectful of the, of the government's guidelines and all that stuff. Uh, you are loved and you are cared for, and Jesus wants to bless you this week. Um, God bless you guys.